Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And as he just said before we started recording, it's been a while. Some things have happened. It has. I think, what, 15, 16 days, something like that? Maybe more? The world has has gone topsy-turvy. ASU scored points in a bowl game. Didn't win. Yeah, we got an offensive touchdown. I didn't expect it. I, I really, and after the first half, I... I felt pretty good about that prediction, but uh, yeah, we we scored, we got in the end zone, and it was it was on a like a you know an actual drive. It wasn't like we got the ball at the fifteen or something like that. Yeah, it was uh, it was a rough game overall, just because. Yeah. You know, it, as you and I texted about afterwards, it it really was just a straight reflection of. All of the problems of the season: dumb penalties, sputtering yeah. offense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, you, you know, some of the some of the key personnel was gone, but the the identity of the team didn't change in in that uh, you know five weeks between the Arizona game and the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, uh, you know, like uh, yeah, it was just kind of the way the season was. It was you know, it was a game much like most of our losses that that you know could have flipped the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as I'm thinking about it, we, we lost six games. Were there, were there any games that, like, I'm trying to remember, the biggest margin of, of defeat was Utah, right? 14 couple, points? Yeah, a couple touchdowns was the biggest loss of yeah, the year. which was a game we were up by two scores. At that. I mean, I guess Washington mm-hmm. State, they, they pretty much handed it to us for most of that game, and we kind of cosmetically made it a look a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, BYU was, was very gettable. Um, certainly Utah, I would say when you're up by 14 at the half, that, that is considered a gettable game. Um, Oregon State on the road was, was gettable. Uh, I mean, you know, really any of them we, we could have won. I'll tell you um, what, they were forgettable. Just kidding. I, that was a bad <laughs> pun. I just, <laughs> I, I, I heard in my head forgettable games. Cause, uh, uh, forget- yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, forgettable game, forgettable. Was. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, we lo- wait, we only lost five games. We lost right? five. So, four were close. There you go. So, I was already giving us seven and six. But, yeah, we were eight and four and then lost the, lost the fifth. And, and, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, it was, it was that type of game. And yet it was also a game that it wasn't a fluke. I mean, it, it was. We could we have won? Could we have gotten a stop there at the end and gone down and scored? Or you know, yeah. But, but you know, Wisconsin was a better team, and I'm not surprised. I think they were the better team, even if we had the full complement. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe having Rashad White, Donovan West, would have gotten us to you know 20 plus points. Maybe we win. I don't know. Um, but you know, hey, it, it's it, a game that didn't was, matter, so it's okay. Right. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, it's sort of like, uh, it's, it's the old, you know, the office when Jim and Dwight take over the, the party planning committee and they put up the sign, it is your birthday. <laughs> it was a game. That's, that's what it was. It wasn't anything exciting. We, it was a bowl game. We played it better to have it than not have it, but it, it wasn't that thrilling. Not at all. Um, yeah. but you know, that, there's one more thrilling bowl game coming on Monday as we get a yeah. uh, rematch of the SEC championship game. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, you know, be be interesting to see. Well, the, the semifinals were certainly both pretty lopsided. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Alabama-Cincinnati went the way that, that we both kind 
have expected. Um, that you know, I mean, Cincinnati hung with them. They weren't they weren't completely outmatched. It wasn't a you know no it, it, forty two to nothing at the half or yeah, something. But they it, just they just weren't good enough. Well, it was what the best way I could describe my feelings about that game were. It went well enough whichever way you were rooting for to be able to continue your argument. So if, yeah, if you're, if you're me and you're like, man, they got to let these group of five teams get yeah. into these. It's, you know, look, they hung in there. It wasn't a blowout. There've been worse games between power five teams oh, oh. in this. Gosh, yeah. 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 So I mean, Oklahoma LSU a few years ago, which was what, like 49 to seven at the half or something like that. So yeah, this, so, this was not that, but it also lets you, if you're on the other side, be like, yeah, they never were. They never were going to win. Alabama had that game in hand from the opening kick until the end. Yeah. I mean, Alabama set the tone on the opening drive with the way they ran the ball. And you just, you know, it was really one of those like eye opening, like Cincinnati just did not have the the offensive and defensive lines to match up with Alabama. You know, I mean, that's so often we get caught up in the quarterbacks and the receivers and, you know, Desmond Ritter had a good year and they got Jerome Ford and it. They just didn't have the big boys to to you know to stop the run and to run the ball and and protect the passer and it just you know they they were it remind I mean I saw somebody compared it to when when Alabama played Washington I think in the third year of the playoff mm-hmm. very similar type game kind of low scoring uh, Washington wasn't outmatched they just they just didn't have the physicality to keep up the depth and the physicality I mean I I feel like the best way I can describe it is like this. Cincinnati has probably a dozen guys who could play for Alabama, but mm-hmm. but Alabama has a team of guys who can play for Alabama. Who can play for Alabama? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I, I read before the game because it was I think the man Stuart Mandel's mailbag said something about you know, boy, you know, could Cincinnati? I mean, it was a question like, could Cincinnati match up well? They've got two corners that can take away Alabama's passing game. He made the point and it proved very true. Like. Cincinnati has probably five to ten, you know, NFL prospects, mm-hmm. and Alabama's probably got thirty or forty. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's it just like, yeah, they've got the top end guys, those two corners, and and Ritter and Alec Pierce, and uh, you know, there's there's a handful of guys that will get drafted in the first, you know, couple days of the draft, but there's just not the depth. I mean, Alabama has probably eight to ten guys who will, and then another. 15 to 20 that will be drafted in the next couple of years, uh, you know, in, in the top three or four rounds. I mean, it just, they have more and Georgia does too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what Georgia, Michigan kind of felt like. They yeah. just have more, uh, you know, Michigan's got top end talent. They may have the number one pick, mm-hmm. um, but, but they don't have, they don't have the depth of talent to match up with Georgia. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that, these schools because of that talent disparity that you just see is at some point and it may not be on the first drive with Alabama it was uh right. but at some point they're going to find the thing where it's like yeah we can just do this all day yeah and yeah, and then yeah, they I mean, and then they do it all day and then they do and and I mean it kind of was with Georgia too I mean that game was 14 nothing halfway through the first quarter and it felt like it was over I mean Georgia went down and scored pretty easily had the big play to, to Bowers then Michigan went for it on that fourth down I mean, Michigan got a few first downs and then they went for it on that fourth down did get it Georgia scored again quickly and like 
just didn't feel like Michigan had the had the weapons to ever get back in that game. Um, I mean, they're first of all, they weren't built that way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think they said during a game, Michigan had never been down by more than seven all year. Yeah, and and then they find themselves down fourteen nothing midway through the first, and that's just not the team they were built to be. They're not they're not Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, we saw Ohio State do that in the Rose Bowl, come back from you know twenty eight seven down because of the passing game, and you know, but that's not the way Michigan was built. Yeah. And that's really not been Harbaugh's style anywhere. He's a it really isn't. he's a no. defense and grind it guy, which is weird for a quarterback. Yeah, uh, yeah but he's but a, he's old school. Yeah, he's, he's Bo Schembechler's disciple. Yeah, yeah, you know we're gonna we're gonna win with toughness and defense and running the ball and a quarterback that just you know it does well enough. I mean, you know, even you know Kaepernick had some a couple you know really good years, but it wasn't you know spread it out and throw it 45 times a game. Uh, I mean, it, it was running the ball with Frank Gore and, uh, you know, I mean, you go back to Stanford, you know, Andrew Luck didn't put up massive numbers there. No. That's not what they called for. Yeah. he. The, the thing with Luck is he was just an undeniable talent. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was very good, but, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, what we see with, like what, you know, Mac Jones did last year, what Joe Burrow did at LSU, because that's not, that's not what that offense called for. And I don't, you know, I mean, look, it, it worked for Harbaugh this year. It worked very well, and they, they, they slayed the beast of beating Ohio State, and they won the Big Ten title, and no shame in the year they had. But you really, I mean, look, I hand up. I picked Michigan to win the whole thing. I fell, I fell prey to what, it, what they looked like at the end of the year and, and did not pay enough attention to the fact that, like I said, they just, they just don't have the depth of top-tier talent that Georgia and Alabama do. And, and that was exposed in that game. Yeah. Um, I fell in love with the narrative, to be honest. I mean, you know, like Michigan looked great, but, uh, but you know, probably deep down I knew that could they really beat Georgia and Alabama back-to-back? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I thought so, but, but no. So now the question becomes, which is all the talking heads and, you know, yeah. columnists and everybody – did Georgia all of a sudden figure out what went wrong in the Alabama game and fix it? Or is it just they didn't play Alabama, so they look Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's it, the interesting thing, you know, there is like, well, okay, what went wrong, I think most obviously against Alabama was their struggle stopping the pass. And Michigan's not a team that really tests that. Mm-hmm. You know, as we just talked about, Michigan's a team. That, I mean, they had some games this year. They put up big passing numbers, but it 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 came on, you know, big plays. You know, they're just they're not built to do what Alabama did to them for 60 minutes there in Atlanta. Um, and they really didn't have many teams who were, uh, as it turned out. You know, Clemson's passing game never looked anything like it was supposed to. So shutting them down at the start of the year didn't seem as impressive in hindsight. Uh, you know, Florida, we, we know the struggles of Florida, Kentucky, you know, I mean, there's some good teams, but nobody that did to them what, what Alabama did. Now, the, the big question for me is, what does that, what does no John Nechi mean to that, you know, ability of Alabama to, to pass the ball so successfully? Because he was yeah. big in that first game and they had the lead before he got hurt. Yeah. And they, I mean, he had a, sure like a hundred yards in the half. He did. He did, you know, and, and, like I know, I mean, I know Cincinnati's got good secondary, and but Alabama's passing game wasn't all that impressive in the in the Cotton Bowl. They ran it extremely well, but the passing game was hit or miss. 
Well, and that's going to be something that you you have to wonder if they'll be able to do anything like that running the ball against Georgia because I that you're so. you're playing right into Georgia's strength exactly. if you think you're going to be able to run all over them. Exactly. With that D-line, I mean, you know, that like the front seven of Georgia, almost everybody is a potential, you know, top three round draft pick. Yeah. They're, they want you to run the ball at them and they'll stuff that run and, and then they'll get after the quarterback when they get ahead of you. And so, I, yeah, I think it's got to be a different game plan than what they did in the Cotton Bowl. But how, I mean, you know, with besides Mechie and Jamison Williams, they didn't get much out of the receiver core this year. You know, that's why they needed Jamison Williams. That's why they got him as a transfer, because it was it was a little light in terms of depth. Now, they got some young guys that maybe are ready, you know, four years ago. It was kind of the coming out party for Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy when they were true freshmen. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's what we'll see in this game, where all of a sudden it's like, wow, these, these guys who were kind of quiet all year, they're here. And, and Alabama will need it, I think, because, you know, no matchy means, you know, they can focus on Jamison Williams and, and take him away for the most part. Yeah, it, it, it leads to this interesting thing, right? If if they want to double Jamison and they, you know, put, you know, just say we're going to single up everybody else and we're going mm-hmm. to leave our, you know, we think we can get pressure with four so our linebackers yeah. can run around and do things. Yeah. That, that's a recipe for disaster for Alabama if that works. I, I yeah. agree, yeah. Now, the flip yeah. side is you know. Alabama's defense is nothing to sneeze at. and No, it was not. You it know. Was not, and they were, you know, they've gotten better over the course of the year. Um, you know, they've been an odd team because they've had some games where it feels like they, I mean, we saw one where, where they just, they could not stop Florida's running game. Yeah. Um, and then Arkansas, you know, went in there and, and like, it was a shootout, like, you know, what, what is going on? But then other games where they've been pretty, pretty solid and almost dominant. I mean, they certainly were against Cincinnati. So they're a hard team to, to figure out this year in some ways. It doesn't feel like to me, and maybe history will tell us differently in four or five years, we look back, it doesn't feel like they have quite the same level of like unbelievable depth at every position like they've had in, in some years. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you look back at like 2018 and they had, you know, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Najee Harris at running back. Three NFL starting running backs on the same roster. They had, you know, three quarterbacks, obviously. Three NFL starting quarterbacks on the same roster. They, you know, they it doesn't feel like, I mean, they've still, you know, they're still one of the probably five most talented teams in the country. You know, I'm not crying for the Alabama. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like there's quite as much like, Oh my gosh, we're going to look back and think, man, this team was stacked. Mm-hmm. And and it, you, I mean, like the way Saban has approached this year almost makes you feel like he knows that. You know, he's kind of this year's been a little bit more like, hey, we need to appreciate winning, and and he's been a little bit more light in his approach to things. And it's almost like he knows, like this team isn't as good as some of the ones I've had, but mm-hmm. we're still we're still getting the most out of it. Yeah. Well, this is. You know, one of the things about Saban is sometimes he gets lumped into the Calipari conversation of, well, he recruits so well that, you know, what's he actually doing? This is a year where, yeah, these guys are all blue chip guys, but he's done a job with them this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, they've juggled the offensive line. They've had running back injuries. I mean, you know, behind Brian Robinson, you know, McClellan got hurt for the year. Roy Williams got hurt for the year. 
you know, they've, they, you know, again, the receiver depth has not been what we're used to, you know, the last few years it was Waddle and Smith and Ruggs and Judy. And this year it's been a little bit lighter and, you know, but, but they're, they're finding a way and here they are one win away from winning another title. Um, I, you know, I don't know what to expect. You know, I read, and I, I should have kept the tweet. Somebody tweeted something about, you know, the last like five times that two top five teams played during the season and then played again in the postseason. The winner or the, the loser of the regular season matchup has come back to win the postseason and, and most of the time in routes. And, and so you're like, well, okay, yeah, maybe there's something there. But it's just like with Georgia and Alabama, you feel like you got to see it to believe it. Yeah. Well, and this comes back to something that, you know, you see everywhere. And, and it's a point that I know I keep repeating to you. But in a, in a one week turnaround, Nick Saban's a great coach. In yeah. a longer than one week turnaround, he's darn near unbeatable. First right, games of the right. year, playoff games, off of a bye, whatever start. it is, like yeah. he he's real good. And yeah. and this is yeah. this is a team that he's already game planned for. Right. You right. Know? I mean it just it just you know uh, just I mean at this point, he's got George's number. He's got Kirby Smart's number. Now Two of those, last, you know, they've, they've won all four in the last, what, five years. But two of them, you know, Georgia, Georgia controlled most of both of those games. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's been, you know, boy, they just don't have a chance. They get they get rolled over. Um, and yet you could also say, well, it's getting progressively worse. The, yeah. the two that they controlled were the first two. Yeah. And then last year they lost to a, you know, last year was a regular season game. And Georgia wasn't great last year. They were, they were pretty good, but, you know, that wasn't a vintage Georgia team. Well, but it also becomes, there's the, there's the hurdle mentally though. Right. Also, you know, like the same thing we've talked about with ASU, when you get rolling winning, sometimes you play better. Well, when you lose all the time, even when you're a good team, you like the first time something happens, it was the same thing that happened to the Red Sox forever with their fan base. Like the, you're waiting for something bad to happen. And then when it does, you're like, see, I knew it. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, and that's the that's got to be the challenge for for Georgia overall from top down is is you know you're not going to dominate the game. I wouldn't expect. Yeah, you know. I mean, it, I guess it's happened. I mean, Clemson did it to Alabama three years ago, but you know, you're you're not going to roll over them and and be up twenty four to nothing at the half and and cruise. Uh, you know, so you're going to have to weather a storm somewhere. I mean, and they were up they were up ten nothing in the in the SEC title game. And, you know, then gave up a couple quick touchdowns. All of a sudden, the game got away from them. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's one of those games I, I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia won. But I, I can't pick it based on what I saw, you know, what, five weeks ago. Well, I will continue to do what I've done since before we started these recordings. And I will pick <laughs> Alabama to win the national title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know. I picked Georgia at the start of the year, and I picked them, if you recall, I picked mm-hmm. them to avenge their only loss of the season in the championship game in a rematch. Now, I had it being Clemson from the season opener and facing Clemson in the title game. So I, so my narrative is pretty close. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I guess I, it's it's kind of like Michigan-Ohio State. And I, I, I think I said to you that week, like, I, you know, I can't pick Michigan until I see it happen. Mm-hmm. And then, then I saw it happen. And maybe next year or whatever, I'll, I'll make that pick. But 
it, it feels that way with this. Like they gotta, they gotta get over that hump for me to really believe that they're over that hump. Yeah. I, I come back to the, the Ric Flair corollary. Yeah. You know, to be the man, you gotta beat the man. For sure. And this is the, this is the dragon they have to slay. And sports are, are full of examples of, you know, both teams who eventually did like the Bulls and the Pistons or the Packers and the Cowboys in the Brett Favre years or, you know, mm-hmm. and then teams who didn't, the Sacramento Kings and the Lakers never, never got over that hump, uh, you know, and, and we'll see what, what history tells us about Georgia and Alabama, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think we can pivot back now to a, a broader scope, which I think will eventually lead to narrowing back in on ASU. But I'd like to yeah. to go, did you see the George Klyavkov, you know, it, it look, it is PR music to my ears that he's imploring Pac-12 university presidents to spend on football. Uh, yes, I did. And I'm totally with it. I mean, you know, that is, uh, you know, again, I'm going to go back to, to a Stuart Mandel mailbag, this one from this week. And so, and he, you know, he answered a question because someone said, you know, you always say college football is cyclical, but it's starting to feel less and less cyclical to say, you know, SEC. And he made the point that like, you know, it doesn't, you know, that feels broken now mm-hmm. because the SEC just spends so much more. They just have more money and they spend more and they put more resources into coaching and and staff and recruiting and it and it's you know and the Big Ten's right behind them and then the other conferences are getting getting kind of left behind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that is the answer. If you want to compete, you've got to compete financially first. Yeah, I, it's, it's not 2005 anymore when USC was was the dominant program. Like that's a long time ago now. Well, and you you see it in facilities to some extent. But where yeah. but where you really see it is in assistant coach salaries. Yeah. Like look at yeah. uh, Alabama's coaching staff is gigantic, yes. and yes. they're all With former NFL head coaches on the staff or former yeah. college head coaches, and yeah, yeah. I mean, like say what you want about Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, and you know, like you, everyone you know, has. <laughs> but they're they they were NFL head coaches who took teams to the playoffs. Like, it wasn't like they, you know, they weren't Hugh Jackson who went, you know, two and 30 or something like that. Like, they were successful NFL coaches. They had their flaws, no doubt. But, but like, yeah, when you got those guys on staff, like, I mean, it's it's hard. And, and then, you know, when you're ASU or when you're whoever, you know, and you've got an up-and-comer and, and then they get poached by those places. And, uh, you know, it's just like... It does lead to a feeling of haves and have-nots, which has always been the case in college football. But it's it's a more consistent group of haves than maybe it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, it just it feels like it's harder and harder and harder to break through and have a have a stretch where you're one of the haves. But maybe ASU solved the idea of how uh, of getting poached all the time by just having all of their coaches under the cloud of an NCAA <laughs> investigation. True. True. Right. And ASU has has their own problems right now, you know, and, and that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what he said about that. Now, I know the I know the Pac-12 has, you know, taken the bullets about going 0-5 in bowl season. And I'm like, man, we, you know, and, and this is going to this is going to get me into, you know, part of what I wanted to discuss, which is like, uh, you know, 
I'm all for having bowl games. You know, I, I, I used to be, you know, like, well, we need to cut. They're not going away, and they're, and they're fun. But we got to stop ascribing meaning to them. They're exhibition games. Yeah. Let's just enjoy them. Let's just have fun with them. But they don't mean something. The bowls Most, the matter. I, I believe this descriptor, I think I think the first time I heard it was either from you or some uh, in a story yeah. you sent me. But yeah. the bowl game matters to the kids who are playing. But yes. the not everyone on the team is playing. <laughs> no, no. I mean, so so again, going back to the Pac-12 being 0-5. Well, Oregon had its its best player, possible number one overall pick, not play, and some other guys. We know ASU, and I, I think, you know, you and I follow ASU extremely closely. If I gave you Rashad White, Chip Trainum, Donovan West, Chase Lucas, Jack Jones, Darian Butler, that's probably six of the top 20 guys on the roster this year. What'd you say? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, including the very best, which is Rashad White, and probably the best defensive player in Darian Butler. Certainly didn't the play. most consistent defensive player. Yeah, didn't play. So so is that a fair representation of ASU 2021? Not really. I mean, we, we started this out by talking about, well, it was very similar to the whole year. And yes, it was. But that was but, a joke. You know, that was said in jest. In jest a little. And, and, you know, I mean, it's like, would we have won with all six of those guys? I, I don't know. But in a seven-point game, having six pretty good players on the field it might be the difference. You know, it might have been the difference in scoring ten more points or preventing a touchdown or getting a stop on the last drive and having a chance to tie the game or whatever. So it's, you know, like like we just, I've you know, there's been this, there's been this push this year. I've read it a lot on Twitter. You probably have too. Of people like, you know, boy, if you, you know, if you're one of those people who says there's too many bowl games, you don't like fun. You know, the bowl games are great. Uh, okay, great. Let's just treat them as fun. Let's stop reading into them. Let's stop saying this is so and so's ten win season, or or they have this losing streak in bowls, or they don't mean anything. They're just fun. You want to you want to have you know Army play Missouri? Will I, will I watch it on the night of December twenty second or whatever it was? Sure, great, awesome. Does it mean anything? No. Let's let's stop putting meaning in them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true it's if you start treating them as a harlem globetrotters game yeah like the teams are trying to win but it's a show and and it's a show it's it's tv money and i mean that's the other thing i'm I'm a little frustrated with is the you know like oh the the tv ratings are so good for these and it's like okay great but does that mean that the product is good I mean, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go like a little Groundhog Day, Phil Connors, you know, people are morons. So the fact that people turn it on TV does not mean that the product is good. Well, Bears Lions on Thanksgiving was well watched, right. Right. it was the only right. sport on. So, of right. course, it was. And, that, and that's the thing with most bowl games is they're on 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 weeknights between, you know, December 20th and January 1st. Well, what else is really on? What is it competing with? It's you either know, that I mean, or I, Lifetime Christmas movies, man. Right, right. You know, people are home. They're they're off work. They're, you know, they're hanging out with family or whatever. And, and you know, okay, they'll turn on ESPN in the background and they'll watch uh, Army in Missouri or UCF in Florida. I did it. Um, can I tell you any memorable moments from those games? No. I mean, I, you know, I had them on. I know who won. 
but but it wasn't like you know I was glued to my television either, thinking, boy, this is great football. It was it was football, and it was on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you know, I think Stuart Mandel again. I'm giving him all kinds of credit today. Uh, you know, um, I mean, he you know he jokingly said yesterday, you know, the perfect number of bowl games is 65, so that all 130 teams can play at once. Like, okay, great. You want to have you know, you want to have a bowl game for every team in the nation? Sweet. That's fine, but let's just stop pretending that that they matter or that the season is somehow enhanced by winning one or detracted from by losing one. They don't. And of course, you know, this brings us to another topic. The player's not playing. I mean, how, how can you say that, you know, like Pitt, Michigan State, the Peach Bowl, that wasn't an accurate representation of those two teams. Who knows who was better? Maybe Michigan State was better, but I mean, if Pitt had Kenny Pickett, maybe they win. Yeah. Well, and it go the thing that's frustrating to me, and I'm sure that this is just right in your wheelhouse, is the the voices of college football who come out and say, if you don't play in your team's oh, bowl yeah. game, you're a quitter, or you you're not a team player, or you don't love football. And it's like, yeah. well, we now know how easy it is for you to get hurt and not get drafted or have right. your career significantly altered. Right, right. You know? I, mean, I, I know these are extreme cases, but Jalen Smith was never 100% the same player. He, he bounced back and he got a contract from the Cowboys. and You know, he had a decent career, but he was never exactly the same. And certainly Jake Butt at Michigan was never close to the same. Mm-hmm. Never close. I mean, he got drafted, but he, I, I mean, I... If I remember right, I'm not sure he played 16 full games in the NFL. He was constantly banged up and injured and having more surgeries on that knee. It was never the same. And and so, yeah, I mean, like the, the genie, I've said this to you before. I'm going to say it again. The genie is out of the bottle on that. Yeah. You know, and Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard can rant all they want on college game day on New Year's Day about, you know, boy, this generation just doesn't love football as much as previous generations. There is no going backwards. Well, and I'll, players are not going to decide all of a sudden, like, oh, you know what? I do want to play in the Peach Bowl, which really means nothing to me. Well, uh, I'll I'll throw this out there. There was a time when college football was considered legitimate and pro football was right. terrible, true, and so true. people did care. And then it became, right. you know, pro football is the be all end all, and college football is important. And right. now it's become, well, all these kids care about is the money. It's like. Right. You've told them since they were 12 that that's what matters. You know, we're offering scholarships to 11 year olds. Right. And, and, you know, it's a business. You know, it just is. I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett has a chance to make a lot of money and will make a lot of money in a few months. Well, and as you said, the the bowl sponsors or whoever, boosters, alumni, you want the kid to play? Pay him to play. Pony up. Yeah. It's yeah. very, it's very simple. If you, you know, if ASU was playing in the Rose Bowl this year and the same six guys said that they were going to opt out, well, if you want them to not opt out, you right. pay them. That's what the money's right. for. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, you know, like I, I we've had this discussion before and I really – believe that you know leonard fournette and christian mccaffrey are the kevin garnett and kobe bryant of college football players they're the ones who who took the foray and said 
you know, we don't need to play these games. And Kevin Garnett was the one who basically said, like, you know, you don't have to go to college. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you have to. They changed the rule. But, you know, you don't you don't have to. You just go straight to the pros. And he worked. And Fournette McCaffrey worked. They both got drafted in the top ten. They've had pretty good careers. Mixed bag here and there. But, you know, all but, in all, you certainly can't big say contracts. their decision was a bad one. Yes, yes, big contracts, and, uh, you know, McCaffrey cashed in big time, Fournette's got a Super Bowl ring, he's, you know, like, it's worked out pretty well for them. Well, and then the flip side is, you know, the the argument that people make is, you know, and I... I'm I'm creating a straw man argument, and I'm acknowledging that at the outset. <laughs> the argument people make is, well, Wills McGahey got hurt, and he was still a first round pick. Oh, okay, but do you really want to bank on that being the reality right. now? With what we know, if right. we, with what we know now about running backs and injuries and career degradation, you probably right. aren't going right. to pick a running back in the first round if he has any sort of medical no. issue. No, <laughs> and plus, Willis McGahey got hurt in the national championship game. He was yeah. playing for something. So if, if, you know, uh, and he was probably getting paid, he probably was. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and again, hopefully this doesn't happen. But if somebody on Monday night suffers a major injury and, you know, we look back in five years like, boy, that guy, he was just never the same after he got hurt that title game. Well, he's playing for the national championship. So, yeah, you're not going to opt out of that. I mean, I I probably Um, I mean, obviously, that would be a game changer if somebody does that. I, but I, but again, this is so. How do you fix this? You got to expand the playoff. I mean, you just have to. If you want the postseason to be a bigger thing for more than four teams, and and side rant here, I'm so tired of hearing like this is all because of a college football playoff. If it wasn't for the playoff, if we still had the BCS, you'd only have two teams that you could count on getting their full effort in the postseason yeah. instead of four. So, you know, if you want to, if you want Pitt and Michigan State, who both would have been in the 12 team playoff this year had there been one, to, you know, if you want those guys to play, expand the playoff. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the way to go. And, and, you know, it's so when I say we're not going backwards, well, we're only going backwards to having more guys invested in the postseason if we go forwards with changes in the postseason. But yeah. just, you know, pining for the old days where, you know, all the bowl games were on January 1st and everybody played. And, I, like, those days are long gone. Yeah, I mean, long to, gone. to your point from how you started this, if you want to go back to having there only be six bowls. Right. Yes. Then those sure. 12 teams will play. I, right. I I assure you, they but, will because it'll mean something. But but, but, but when the happen. Alamo Bowl and the Holiday Bowl and the Sun Bowl rotate, which one is the number three bowl <laughs> game for the Pac-12? Right. I, right. It's hard for me to like, I, you know. I remember seeing Wisconsin play UCLA in the Sun Bowl the year after they played yeah. each other in the Rose Bowl. Right. Uh, yeah, right. that everyone played in that, but right. now. It, the Sun Bowl is, you know, this team, unless this team, unless that team, you <laughs> right, know. Right, yeah. There used to be a pretty conventional pecking order. Mm-hmm. And like the Big Ten, you you know, you knew that Big Ten number two was going to go to the Citrus Bowl and play on New Year's morning. Well, now you get, you know, you might get Iowa, who lost the Big Ten title game, but really wasn't the second best team in the Big Ten. That was Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might, you know, or the Outback sometimes has priority. I mean, like, you know, I wanted to go and attempted to go to the Holiday Bowl this year, so it got canceled on the day of the game. Um, 
but you know, reading the the dis- distribution of the ACC bowl games, I think it takes a PhD to understand it. I mean, it is crazy how they how you know like this tier and then this tier and this team can't go here because they were here, and it's like, good God, man, just just make it like ACC number two. But but that's you know again, those days are gone. Mm-hmm. And and that's as a fan. Also, I think part of why. I care about my team, but yeah. you know, I don't remember what bowl game, you know, who played in the Belka Bowl. I, you know, I don't and no. it doesn't matter because I mean it's hard enough for me to remember who played in the Peach Bowl last year. Like I, I, I truly, you know, I watched the Peach Bowl, they were talking about last year's game and I thought, who was in the Peach Bowl last year? And it took me a few minutes to remember it was Georgia Cincinnati. But I mean, like that was just last year, and I, you know, and that's one of the big games of the postseason, apparently. Allegedly. Yeah, I mean, it just so so again. How do you do it? You you expand the playoff, and you put more teams with something on the line, and 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 feel like they're playing for something. Uh, I mean, you know, Pitt to me was I already kind of knew it, but but what happened with Pitt and Kenny Pickett this year? was like a punch in the face to me that like these things, you know, because Pitt's not a powerhouse program. They haven't been in a major bowl game in decades. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they, they won the ACC, and I thought, well, you know, they'll they'll show up full force. And then Kenny Pickett opts out. It's like, yeah, they, they don't care. I mean, it, you know, like he doesn't care. Because winning the Peach Bowl or losing the Peach Bowl makes zero difference to how people are going to remember Kenny Pickett at Pitt. Absolutely. And, and you know what else? It makes zero difference to where he'll be drafted unless he gets hurt. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I read and trust me, I, you know, at one point I was going to go to the game. I didn't end up going. And so I wanted him to play, but I'm reading people. Oh, oh, well, he could go out and shred Michigan State. They have a terrible pass defense. They could throw for 500 yards. Like the NFL doesn't care. I mean, no one in the NFL is going to be like, you know, I wasn't sold on Kenny Pickett until I watched that Peach Bowl and he shredded terrible Michigan State's pass defense. Yeah. Uh, all right yeah you know i mean if so you if there's not enough film or combine work or school pro day right. work right it, you know right. It, it, one of the things that i think the pandemic showed us at least on the you know guys who opted out and then still turned pro it it doesn't matter if you have enough body of work you you know i know and, and we there's three guys I'm thinking of, and they've all they all got picked high in the first round, and they've had great rookie years. Mm-hmm. Sewell, Parsons, and, and Jamar Chase. Yeah, they, you know they Jamar Chase is is maybe the offensive rookie of the year. Micah Parsons is almost certainly the defensive rookie of the year, and maybe borderline defensive player of the year. Um, and Penny Sewell, you know the Lions stink, but he's been pretty good. You know, you look at the like PFF and all that crap they do. He's one of the better offensive linemen in the league. And, and yeah, they all opted out of the whole season, which makes you wonder, will we see that? I mean, we haven't seen, you know, that was all okay. You know, they, you know, they, seasons were in jeopardy and were they going to play anyway? And, uh, you know, okay, it made sense. But could we, could we see that in the future? Could we see, you know, a a guy who has a great sophomore year and has to, you know, just say, yeah, eh, pass. Well, and train and be ready for the draft. I think what happened was, before 
three years ago, I would have said absolutely not because we learned what happened with Claret and Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Right, and right. it's like, and and sure they got drafted high, but that's almost worse. Is that Mike Williams went so high and then right. kind of fizzled, Wasn't and it's ready. like, man, yeah. you you can't do that. But right. now I kind of feel like with the way the professionalization of the training programs and and all yes. these like private coaches and things, yep. like yep. if if the example I'm thinking of is if Michael Crabtree had completed his sophomore year, won the Bolitnikoff Award. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, wouldn't you just say, "All right, cool. I, I'll be." Uh, I'm gonna train and yeah, I'll be and, doing and, this and, and and signing autographs and coaching yeah, and yeah, you know, I uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and and I, I was gonna say that you you beat me to saying it, but you know, the difference, you know, it doesn't feel like to you and I probably it doesn't feel like that long ago. Mike Williams and Maurice Claret did that, but it was almost 20 years, and and yeah, I mean, there's been great you know, progression and advances in training and, and the money that goes into training. And these guys, you know, first of all, they can, they can make money. They can sign a, you know, an endorsement deal or they can sign with an agent and they can get the finest, you know, trainers out there to keep them in shape, put them through football workouts mm-hmm. and, and avoid getting hurt, avoid somebody, you know, tackling them at their legs and they blow out their knee or they rupture their Achilles. I mean, there's always risk. You can go out for a run and tear your Achilles, but mm-hmm. there's less risk if you're not getting hit for an extra 15 games. Yeah, there's a lot less risk when there's no 300 pound, right. you know, right. chunk of sculpted granite, you know, yeah. hitting you yeah. somewhere between your you thigh and your shin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think this will happen, but you know, look at look at Bryce Young and Will Anderson. If they were eligible for this draft, they would probably be, both be top 10 picks. They're not eligible for this draft. Uh, you know, if, if I mean, I don't think it'll happen because Alabama has this culture that seems like that doesn't happen. But, I mean, if I'm Will Anderson, like, I, you know, why not, man? Just sit out and, and be ready for the draft in 2023. Yeah, He doesn't need to play at Alabama anymore. He's shown what he is. Yeah. And the so one I, difference now is you can make money while playing in college. You can't, you, you can. know, theoretically you, can. you can't, you, I mean, you can make unlimited money, but theoretically no one has made the same money that they can right. make by going pro. But if you're a, a halfway decent student and you, you know, think, okay, well, football's a thing, but I also have these other interests so right. I'll keep going to college for free and getting paid this money right. for the NIL. And if I can, you know, parlay that into a pro career first, great. And if not, okay, well, yeah. you know, I at least yeah. at, you know, 19 banked a quarter million dollars. True. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't think you'll see it in droves uh, with guys, you know, skipping an entire year of, of football. It's, kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago with the kid going to Jackson State and I said you know I compared it to Brandon Jennings going to Europe and like you know but but could you see it once or twice or three times a year maybe with you know a a highly touted you know sophomore who's had the you know I mean Derek Stingley kind of did it this year he didn't really opt out but he only played three games and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's always going to come back at the end of the year. He wasn't coming back at the end of the year. There was no chance he was going to play for LSU again, um, and he didn't. Uh, you know, so I, I, yeah, I think you could. Um, well, and do you see an NFL version of like the G League, you know, start up? Yeah. Or or does the USFL say, "Screw it, you come play, 
Come play right. now. We're not putting well, an age limit on. NFL was going to do when it, when it, you know, I mean, and then of course they got they got hit with you know COVID shutting the league down in 2020. But they were going to do that. You know, they were they were going to go after you know the the guys who weren't draft eligible yet. And it would have been an interesting model. Mm-hmm. I I don't think you'll see the NFL do it. I don't think the NFL has much interest in having a a minor league and and funding a minor league because it's it's already done for them with college football. Mm-hmm. Like they don't need it. You know, they get a they get a free minor league with with you know NCAA football basically. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think you'll see them do it. But I yeah I mean I could have you know an upstart league. There's one every year now. It feels like um, you know land somebody who has a you know a great freshman year, a quarterback who you know has an amazing freshman year, and it's like hey you know come play for us, we'll pay you, and then you'll be draft eligible in a couple years, but you can you know play professionally and not have to worry about going to classes and all that stuff. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the sport is, and this is why, you know, I threw this out there as something to talk about. Like in years past, I remember you and I've had these discussions and said, you know, well, you might look up in five years and boy, things are going to look different. We're there. Mm -hmm. We've reached that point. The sport has changed before our very eyes. There's a playoff. It's about to be expanded. Uh, Players are on the move at will. I mean, Caleb Williams has a great freshman year for Oklahoma and now is in the transfer portal and he might leave. That's that's unheard of in the past. But mm-hmm. now it's like par for the course. Um, you know, players are making money. It's crazy. I mean, like, I don't mind it. I'm not, I don't hate any of these changes, but it is crazy to me how much it's changed from just a handful of years ago. Well, not, and yet, not even 20 years ago. And to bring it back full circle, that's why it's crazy for these guys to say, well, this isn't like the 90s or the 80s right. or the early 2000s when I played. Yes, right. it is not. It's not, it's not right. even close. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's one thing I've noticed, and this is a little side topic, but I've noticed it in, in almost every sport that's brought, you know, major sports broadcast, is the announcers stay around longer than they used to. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit has been the number one color guy for for abc espn for for like 15 years now mm-hmm. that didn't used to be the case you know you'd have you, you things would move around and it's you know and and i think they get they get caught up in the past a little you know kirk curb streets remembering what it was like when he first started doing this in 2007 well that's 15 years ago now man you know like things change and yeah the, the guys you're watching were college, three they were babies then <laughs> exactly you know, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, sometimes you feel like, you know, you don't want to constantly have new blood, you know, consistency helps, but, you know, and I know you're not a big Kirk Herbstreit fan, so I know you're not going to fight me on this, but like, maybe it's time for somebody else to be the voice of college football, well, you know, like, well, you know maybe like, it's time he move aside if he doesn't like the sport now. This is one of those things where I don't think we are there yet, right? But I'd be curious to know. The at at some point, Kirk Herbstreit's going to pass the age that Lee Corso was when he was the crazy, yeah. you know, yeah. old guy. You're probably right. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of wild. And again, you know, you, you see it in in. I mean, Joe Buck has been around, and he's play by play, and that's a little different. Like Buck and Aikman have been the number one team on Fox for going on twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Like much longer than Madden and Summerall were a number one team together, which they felt like they were together for so long. 
but they work together as long as these guys. And, and, and I don't know, again, I mean, I'm not sure even what I'm, what my point is with that, but more so just to say like, these guys don't leave these jobs anymore. Maybe it's because they're paid better. I don't know, but, but they stay around so long. And then, and then you can't help, but have a sense of, well, back in my day or Mm. back, you know, when I first started this, it's like, well, but that was a long time ago, man. And, well, it's and, it's funny. You know, the sports changed. Um, Aikman made a reference to it on whatever game he was doing. You know, he's like, I think he was talking about Gronkowski with with Brady, yeah. but he's like, you know, when I was playing, you have you have a safety valve, and I had Jay Novacek, and it's like, man, Rob Gronkowski and Jay Novacek are two completely different players. Right. Like that right, is not, right. you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like mean, Jay Novacek uh, would not recognize the position he's be, he was playing. Not at all. You know, not at all. No, I know. I was, you know, I I texted you. I watched as I do every January fourth. I watched the the recording of, of Texas USC, and Dan Fouts is talking about you know tight ends. And David Thomas had a pretty big game that game for Texas and the value of tight ends. And I even thought as I, I mean, it's funny you bring this up about Gronkowski and tight ends because I'm listening to that and I'm thinking. Geez, if only he knew what the tight end position would look like 16 years later. Uh, you know, like back then, you know, yeah, David Thomas was a pretty good tight end. Now, yeah, he'd be an average tight end. But, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't big and fast and could catch 80 passes in a season. And, I mean, it's it's different. The game changes. And, you know, yeah, like the Herb Street Desmond Howard thing was a great example of, like, Two guys who don't seem that old on the surface. They played college football in the, what, late 80s, early 90s. But then you think about it, it's like, well, that was 30 years ago that they played college football. They are that old. They -hmm. are now the old man yelling, you know, get off my lawn and turn down your rock music, you damn kids. And like, okay, I mean, so, yeah, back in your day, no one thought of skipping bowl games. Well, back in your day, there was only like 20 bowl games, so they actually meant something. Mm-hmm. Back in your day, NFL players weren't making as much money, so there wasn't as much on the line of getting injured. You know, and we had less day, of an understanding of the injuries. Right, right. You know, yeah, like there's been great know? advances in medicine where it's like, you know, if you blow out your ACL or your MCL, yeah. like we can come back from that, which they couldn't right. before. But the flip side is, there we also know, yeah, that that causes a preset depreciation in your value yeah. and yeah. someone else who didn't do it will draft higher because right you know right because there's always somebody else who's probably of close to equal talent yeah. I mean, you know every now and again you get the you get the willis mcgahee who is so talented and so good that even with a major knee injury somebody was willing to take a chance on him in the first round but that's pretty rare mm-hmm. and, you know and 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 one could argue that Willis McGahee was never the same player. Oh, he was yeah. good in the NFL. I mean, he had some good years with, with Denver at the end of his career with Baltimore. Um, you know, he was a good player. But if that injury doesn't happen, does Willis McGahee's career, you know, maybe he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Well, no, but it's, you know? uh, but it's a good point. The other thing is NFL teams – it's a business. It's always been a business, but sure. it's become a, a much more business school type business. Because yeah. what we're saying, you know, what you're seeing is it's like, 
well, this play, player X is better than player Y, but player Y costs half as much as player X. So right. we'll just take player Y and right. be slightly less good, but have more money. And, and why is that? Because of salary caps. Right. You know, I mean, again, unintended consequences of things sometimes. You know, oh, we need a salary cap. These salaries are out of control. Well, okay, with you. But then teams are going to figure out that they can cut corners and they, and like you said, they can replace. I mean, how many times is a guy, you know, a free agent, and it's like, well, he's still good, but, but they can find somebody who's 80% of him for 50% the cost. Well, it's the reason I, why backup quarterbacks, in, unless yeah. you have a young starter, you look at a team like the Packers, other than Seneca Wallace, what, you right. know, since Seneca Wallace, when have the Packers had a backup quarterback who wasn't just on a rookie deal? Right, right, yeah. You know, because yeah. why would you, know. you? Why would you? Right. And then it's the flip side. If you have the young quarterback, you can spend money on a backup quarterback. Yeah. Because, you know, so if you have, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, who's on his rookie deal or whatever, okay, I mean, that's a bad example because they didn't spend money on a backup quarterback necessarily. But, but you could. But you can't. You no, know, I, uh, I mean, I think, the, I think the example is when Carson Wentz was on his rookie deal, they had yeah, Nick Foles behind him. Yeah, Nick Foles, right. And, and the right. flip side is now when teams spend money on veterans, you get the Bears, where you've got Andy Dalton and yeah. Nick Foles and, and a rookie quarterback. <laughs> and a rookie, right, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, the rookie salary structure in the NFL has been one that I don't think anybody anticipated, I certainly did not, what it would do to the, the way young quarterbacks come along. Because now it's like, hey, you got to get them in the lineup quickly because you got to take advantage of that window you got four years of them on a relatively cheap deal, so you don't want to wait three years for them because then you're missing that window. And then if they're no if they're no good, you just move on. There's, I mean, the, the days of the 49ers and Alex Smith extending their marriage year after year after year after year, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, if you don't look good, they kick you to the curb and they take somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no need for them to wait for you to figure it out. No. I mean, look at the Cardinals and Josh Rosen. And that, that was an extreme circumstance with a new coach and all that. But in the old days, that, that wouldn't have even been considered. No, they the would have traded would have the come pick. In with the understanding that you have Josh Rosen. He was our first-round pick. We invested a lot of money. You make the best of him. And, and we'll trade the pick or we'll take a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or something like that. Uh, you know, like – but but in this case it was like well okay yeah they had to they had to say they basically wasted a pick and they had to eat a little bit of money but all in all there really wasn't any long term repercussion from them saying eh Josh Rosen didn't look good we're moving on we're getting somebody else mm-hmm. look at the Redskins with with Dwayne Haskins I mean he you know he's out the door in less than two years that never would have happened in the old days because he would have been owed too much money you would have thought well you, we gotta we gotta keep this up we gotta see. Uh, you know, if he if he can become something because we paid him too much money to just give up. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. It is. So I, anyway, I mean, that's it's a different topic. I, although it's all kind of tied in. No, because um, they all it, it all flows from the fact that the game has changed and the calculus for the calculus at all levels for college coaches, college players, pro coaches, yes, pro players yes. has changed. Yes, yes. And, and you know, people pointed this out, and I'm glad they did because it's true. You know, on the same show that Herb Street and Desmond Howard go on their rant about, you know, players opting out of bowl games, they have Lincoln Riley on as a guest. <laughs> well, where's the criticism of him? He opted out of his team's bowl game. Does he love football less? 
yeah. than, than coaches of past generations? No. He's he's financially smart. He had a chance to go, and he took it. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's such a – there's less of it, I guess. I mean, more and more people are kind of opening their eyes to the fact of the double standard, but there's still a lot of people in the sport old established people who don't realize the double standard i don't think they're fine with a coach leaving but then a a player leaves to try to find a better situation it's like damn these kids they're so selfish Mm -hmm. um well we will get back uh i'm paying by the way officially are you taking alabama we should yeah okay i don't Uh, want to i want georgia to win but but yeah yeah well i like being right too uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate Alabama the way I used to. You know this. I've I've uh, transcended a little, but uh, you know I do like Georgia. I would, I would love to see them do it. It would mean a lot to them. I feel like, and and so that's the that's my rooting interest. But yeah, my pick would be Alabama if I had to make one. Well, we'll be back to talk about that. We'll talk about the uh, kids who showed up and rolled early at ASU to try to replace a whole lot yes. of talent that's yes, at the door indeed. yes yes and we'll have to let talk some nfl playoffs here next week we'll have the field set of our our monday night wild card game for the first time ever and you know super bowl in mid-february times they are a changing like we're talking about man it's it, it's get on board or get lost i guess yes indeed until next time he's matt i'm ben it's the ben and matt sportscast